0: Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the Scripture? Learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Nate Aiken. I'm joined today on the podcast by my brother, John, and also happy to have back with us Jeff Hay, all the way from Dublin. Today, we're going to continue working our way through the book of Hebrews, looking at how Jesus is better than all things, and also how to interpret the Old Testament in a Christ-Centered way. There is still time to join us uh, this Saturday, so coming up Saturday, February 24th, uh, our next Christ Centered and Clear conference, a one-day conference on the book of Hebrews just south of Raleigh. Uh, John will be speaking, I'll be speaking, and again, we'd love to have you join us. You can learn more and also register at our website, ChristCenteredAndClear.com. All right, today we're going to jump into what is a tough passage for some. Uh, Obviously, it's a good passage for us to think through, one of the warning passages in the book of Hebrews, we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. Uh, John, I'll start with you. Um, many different views on Christian perseverance and, and assurance of salvation that obviously range from people who would be off base and say, you can lose your salvation, uh, to once saved, always saved is a colloquial way some put it on the other side. Uh, what do verses 4 through 6 teach us about perseverance?
1: Yeah, so just up front. I mean, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, in my mind, is one of the most difficult passages in Scripture, and I'm going to offer my thoughts on it, but with a great deal of humility, recognizing that I could be off on this slightly. And so, so, so one, because it's so difficult to understand, I think, and, and I think it's difficult for, no matter what your position is, okay? So if you're if you're in a more um, armenian or semi pelagian camp and you think it means you can lose your salvation still the difficulty is in, in explaining what it means that it's impossible for you to then convert once you've lost it because i don't think people in that tradition believe that and then if you if you are in the you know more reformed augustinian camp and you think that you know if you're genuinely converted then God keeps his own and preserves them to the end and obviously human responsibility and perseverance plays into it um to so that you don't think that somebody could actually lose it still impossibles you know impossible is difficult to interpret in both uh in both streams and so it's just very it's very difficult so to answer your question and then we'll jump into all of this I'm sure I, so what I try to do is just what I, I think are clear teachings of the Bible, hold those in my hand, and then bring them to bear on this text. And so, so one key teaching is it is clear, despite some confusing and, and maybe incorrect ways that Baptists have talked about this in the past, that perseverance is a command in the New Testament— and it's an expectation for genuine believers that mm-hmm. we will persevere to the end. Um, and so while I, you know, once saved, always saved, I understand what people mean if they mean it. If they mean by that, if you're genuinely saved, then God's going to keep you. Then I think that that's something we want to hold on to. Uh, mm-hmm. Jude, to him who's able to keep us from falling. John 10, he holds us in his hand. Um and so I think we want to hold on to that, but the Bible is very clear that that we are called to persevere. And mm-hmm. so this is a a warning to those um, who may be considering apostasy or considering falling away or or turning back. Uh, specifically here, turning back to Judaism, Old Covenant Judaism, that um, that's a dangerous as a dangerous thing, and you need to persevere in the faith. So so mm-hmm. one, just like elementary, this is a text that is calling us to persevere. We can talk more about the specifics of what I think that that means in this passage, but I think that's baseline. We've got to understand that.
0: I'll come back to you kind of for the different views um, since I I know you did a talk on this at one of our conferences. Um, Jeff, anything you would add there to kind of what John's saying just in the overall kind of feel of of Hebrew six, but even to the specific question about uh, this idea of perseverance and, and Christian assurance.
2: Yeah, just to agree and to continue what John said, I actually think the phrase, once saved, always saved, isn't helpful. Whilst it can be true, it's sort of incomplete. It doesn't include the persevering. If you are in that camp, which I think the rest of scripture backs that up a lot, once saved, keeps persevering. Once saved, keeps on trusting. Uh, And we know from earlier in Hebrews, some key verses that play into that Hebrews I think three verse four, fourteen. Uh, we'll keep continually holding on to land. So, I think those are key things to bear in mind.
0: I love this this quote from Spurgeon. I'll actually talk some about this in the Hebrews three sermon that I'll do at our our conference coming up. But uh, Spurgeon says, "Valid faith is by definition persevering faith," and I, and I love uh, how. How Spurgeon puts it, John. Okay, then, kind of how, how should we understand the warning? I'll kind of come to you, sort of, for the views, and obviously your own thoughts, and then Jeff will come back to you to give. Uh, you can clean up John's mess uh, if needed, or <laughs> give give anything different you have. So, John, give us the kind of overall feeling. How, how do different interpreters view the the warning that we see here in Hebrew six?
1: Yeah. So so keeping in mind that we are called to persevere, and then and, and again, I, and other preachers have used phrases like "if saved, always saved" or or whatever. I, I do think at first John is helpful here in terms of people who do forsake the faith um, that they never, they went out from us because they were not of us. So I, so I think right. I don't, I don't think it's possible for somebody to genuinely be regenerated, brought right. from death to life, and then to die again. I don't, I don't think that that's theologically possible. I think that God keeps his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do we understand this? There's the, it within that, tradition there's basically two you know two main schools of thought um so there's there's the one that would say he's talking to um, that it, that basically it's a hypothetical it's a hypothetical like if you could lose this salvation once you've tasted all of it well then you could never get it back again but he's certain that they that that is not true about them that they're gonna that they're gonna keep on keeping on and so it's just a hypothetical. I actually don't love that view, although there's plenty of people smarter than me who take it. Um, I, I think that I think the warning's a genuine warning. So I tend to line up with um, those who would see this that, that the warnings are a means by which God preserves or cause, cause causes to persevere his saints. And so that these these warnings are meant as as God is a God of means. And so this is one of the means by which he keeps his own saved and he keeps them keeping on and, and persevering. I think that it may be the strongest, but but I want to do, and maybe people would accuse me of having wanting to have my cake and eat it too. When I think about what the nature of the book of Hebrews is, I think that Hebrews is a sermon that is being preached to a Congregation of people, and I think that in that within that congregation, there are going to be different groups, just like within our congregations, there's going to be different groups, and so there's going to be potentially there's going to be seekers, right? But but within the the, the people who claim to be Christians, you're going to have ge- people who are genuinely born again, and then those who are who, who may say Lord, Lord, but but are not genuinely converted, okay. And so I think that the sermon does both. I think the sermon from the from the preacher is a means by which those who are genuinely regenerated will persevere. And I think it's a warning to those who who are not that if you do not persevere, the reason why is because you're not you're not one of his. And so you you have fallen away because you're not one of his. And so that that's how I would interpret it. But again, the word impossible is really difficult for me to reconcile with any of the views. Perfectly, do,
0: do, to, Jeff. I'll come to you, but John, it, from the other side, the more kind of Armenian semi-Pelagian. Do you know what they would argue? So basically, they would obviously argue, "Hey, well, part of this is you can lose it, but, but they don't. Re- do they even try to deal with it? You can't get it back if you lost it. Do you? Do you have any kind of? I maybe mean,
1: read up on any of their positions that come to mind. I have not read up on those positions. I don't. I've I've had conversations with friends who are in that stream, and I've never been given a clear answer as to what how they
2: reconcile that. So
1: I don't sure. know. It's a great question, Jeff,
0: Yeah, Jeff. What would you add to to what John said?
2: So just just to clarify, John, that those who are enlightened and all are are you saying they are Christians uh, or or people that aren't? Christians, they just showed signs of fruit in verses four to six. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying yes, that they're both.
2: Okay. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Just in the two (laughs) different views. So those who have been enlightened, those who have tasted, these are believers, but it's a hypothetical question because they won't fall away. Uh, Hypothetical situation. Is it the Shriner view that you're, that's,
1: no, I'm I'm combining the two. I'm what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you as a preacher are preaching to a group of people who some have, some have. So I mean, Carson takes this view. Carson takes the view that these th- Carson takes the view that these are unbelievers that he's referring to, yeah. Um and saying that that people who are not genuinely converted can have some kind of initial experience of blessing because of their proximity to hearing the gospel and whatever. Uh, what I'm saying is, you're as a preacher, you do not know. Within your congregation, there are people who, who are claiming to be Christians, claiming their sins have been forgiven, claiming that they have the Spirit living inside of them. Some of them that's true, some of them it's not. What you're called to do is to warn them, and if they're genuinely saved, the warning is going to be the means by which they persevere. And if they're not, then... It's going to be made clear by them not heeding the warning that they're not that they're not fully in the people of God. Okay, I can see that that's not satisfactory to you. So <laughs> why don't you give us why don't you give us your your uh, take on this, and you could show how I'm wrong.
2: Oh no, I think it's a really difficult passage, and I've probably leaned both sides—not the Armenian side, but okay, it's either the this person is uh, showing signs of a. Believer is looking light at it when you go through it, has been enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, those sorts of things, and impacted by the word of God. They're in the church, but they're not completely, they're not genuinely regenerated. So that, I suppose, is the traditional, often reformed view. And... I probably lean towards that. And when a priest said I did that, but I'm very sympathetic to, I think, Schreiner and Spurgeon and some others go, no, this is, you couldn't have a clear description for what a believer is. This is a believer and it's used uh, to warn believers as a means. I think in one sense, as you say, both can, are used as a means to keep people persevering and And then I was just wanting to clarify which of those two camps, but you're kind of saying it's both
1: yeah well <laughs> and it may be a cop out, but i what i'm I'm trying to think through this as as the nature of a, of being a preacher who preaches to an audience that I don't obviously I can't look at the heart and know, but it's it's you know i and I use the same joke all the time, like warnings are meant, warnings are given. Uh, and they are, to, to, to Shriner's view, they are future casted, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're supposed to be a means by which you don't do the, the stupid thing that you're being warned not to. So when you have a, 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 on your shirt label, when it says warning, do not iron while wearing, it's one, it's, it's there because some idiot in the past burned themselves ironing their shirt while it was on their body, Right. But they're trying to get you not to do that. And so the warning's the means by which mm-hmm. you don't um and so warnings by their very nature, I think, are future-casted and future-oriented. Um, but there are going to be some who don't heed the warning in in, in our congregations. And so that's why I kind of want to hold on to both together. Um, because at the end of the day, here's the thing I try to tell my even my Arminian friends. At the end of the day, practically speaking, now theologically speaking, we're coming at it from two different viewpoints at the end of the day though practically we're in the same spot yeah. if you if you walk away from your confession to christ mm-hmm. they say you lost it we say you never had it mm-hmm. but in the end you're not you're separated from christ yeah. and so mm. i want the warning to have that force mm-hmm. mm. can, can we then
0: i i, I want to ask a question then pastorally so i want to ask if you're preaching this jeff i'll come to you first and then john to you so i in your congregation, you're going to have people who are probably, they have a sensitive spirit. So they probably are like legit, they're genuinely converted, but they can easily hear a passage like, you know, on that day you're going to say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, depart from me. And they can be kind of easily undone by that. So they could hear something like Hebrews 6 and think, gosh, am I actually a genuine believer? So you have those kind of people in your congregation. You probably also have these kind of obstinate people who may be Christians who need to heed the warning, but like they, you know, for whatever reason, it's flying over their head. So how do you think pastorally to, to, to kind of press in what's being said in this text, as you think about the different kind of makeup you might have of people in your congregation? Hmm.
2: Yeah, and there's certainly going to be those different people in the congregation with uh, different outlooks, different sensitivities. Whilst I want to keep the balance and the warning and the thrust of the passage, and I might have had a, you know, we need to recognize and heed this danger and take it seriously. And this will be hard hitting in that regard. I think it's definitely wise because there will be people here. Hold on. Am I going to be impossible to come back if I've, if I'm not this? So you do need to explain it. First of all, if anybody is worried that you're this person, Uh, then you're probably safe, because (laughs) the person who will not, well, not probably, you are. The the person here is someone who has completely gone away, rejected Christ. So anybody worried, uh, you're in a good place. The problem here is uh, not that God isn't willing to forgive. Uh, He is a forgiving, gracious God. It's that the people in this passage are not willing to repent. And so, uh, God will forgive anybody who truly repents. But these guys have turned away. So you just need to include that, uh, be sensitive to it, reassure folks, and that's why I suppose I did, you know, didn't just preach verses four to eight, right? Uh, I go on to verse nine and further, where there is plenty of reassuring words to come uh, later on. And but this mm. bit is the warning bit.
1: I want to just echo what um, Jeff said. I I think that, um, so so one, you just, yeah, you want to explain the text and to say, I mean, so again, like people ask me about the unpardonable, unpardonable sin and that kind of thing. And it's like, hey, listen, if you're worried that you committed the unpardonable sin, you probably haven't committed it, you know? Uh, so that's not something, it's not something like where you can just, Accidentally say something or whatever, and then and then you know the, the rest of your life. God's like I'm withholding forgiveness. The other thing is too is as Jeff said, and th- this is uh, key for me. Like I, 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 as I told you guys earlier, I'm having to write a commentary on the Book of Joel, and where God is calling His people to repentance, and He says, "Who knows whether or not God will relent from what He's He's doing?" That the, the issue here is not that God changes in terms of His character. God is always holy. Uh, he's always full of steadfast love and mercy. What changes is our is us and our experience of God. He is always forgiving to the penitent. He is always wrathful to the obstinate and the unrighteous. Um, and so what changes is your experience of God, not not God. And so um, so i want I want to be clear about that and to say, so if you are worried about these things, if you're if you're worried about being cast out, if you are, you recognizing that you're a sinner and you're like, man, I just do not measure up. And the only hope I have is, is God's mercy. And and man, could this be me? Well, then as Jeff said, you're probably in a good place. I mean, if that's, if that's where you are, if you're obstinate and you're arrogant and you're not worried about these things and you're, you are forsaking the faith, then you, that's when you should be concerned. And then the other thing is to, to say, as a good pastor he goes on to say listen i'm I, i'm sure of better things for you um th- this is who th- i'm so he speaks we i think we talked about this a little bit in our last uh podcast he speaks with these declarative statements and i think it's helpful for pastors to say that to say we are we are going to be the people who persevere we are going to hold on to our confession. We're not going to give up. We're not saying it's going to be easy. We're not going to say that there's not going to be times where we doubt or we go through trials and it's going to hurt. But all we're going to do is we're just going to keep on holding on. We're just going to hold on to Jesus. And and that's that's what we're going to do. When times get tough, we're going to hold on to Jesus. When trials come, we're going to hold on to Jesus. And just to say that's that's who we are, and that's what's going to happen here by the power of the Spirit.
0: The verses that are kind of coming to mind, and we talked about one of these last time, but um, "Blessed are the poor in spirit" is 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 in my mind, and then also just work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so, it's, if there's a posture behind, it seems what you are saying, as far as the posture of your heart towards these things would be revealing about where you're actually at. Let me just close. We got just a little bit of time left. I'll, I'll combine the final two questions, which are typical of the, of us on this podcast. How would you preach Christ in this text? Uh, which is desperately needed because if we leave, if we leave from what we've been talking about without preaching Christ, we're obviously being neglect, uh, neglectful in our in our uh, pastoral ministry. And then, how do you? What are some practical applications that will flow from that? So, Jeff, I'll come to you first, and then John will finish up with you.
2: Well, I do think we keep going on to the reassuring words from verse nine onwards, where we can recognize uh, the, the hope that we is, that we can be sure of better things as what he said that belong to salvation. And the reason why we can be so sure of salvation is ultimately because of Christ. It's all based in him. So we get to Christ in that way of being sure of salvation. Uh and, and the hope for again in verse eleven where he talks about the full assurance of hope until the end. So I think that's where we speak of Christ and the hope that he brings just in this little passage here, and the assurance, and that can only be because of Jesus. Application. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean that's that's the reassuring bit. Uh, but then there's the application to to heed the warning, to not fall away, to be sure, are you then putting yourself in places to keep being reminded of the gospel are you serving the saints as it says again the whole church community is so important for us keeping going in that sense uh, so that we aren't sluggish and are imitators of those who through faith so even imitators we need to belong to a body with one another
0: yeah it's so often in the text throughout the whole book of Hebrews is. What is it like your sensitivity to the word itself? How are you responding to the word? And then what what is your relationship like with the community of faith? Uh, are two massive indicators about whether you're staying in the faith or not. John, kind of just again, how would you preach Christ? And then kind of Christ centered and clear. How do
1: we make this clear for our for our people? So so I would probably um, give a, just a preview, look ahead to the end of chapter six. And talking about Jesus as our forerunner, who's gone in on our behalf, and so our our hope is access to God that we've been given in Jesus and His ongoing intercession for us um, are are huge here. And then as far as application, uh, I, I would just use you know some of the stuff that He's talking about when He's talking about the rain and and fruit being produced. Uh, obviously, want to hit. Are you hitting the warnings? Are you you know? Not considering going back, but also to ask the question: Is there, do you see any fruit of repentance in your life from the cultivation of the word and the gospel and the work of the spirit? Um, Not saying perfection, not saying that you're not going to wrestle, but is there, do you see any fruit of repentance uh, in your life and here, you know, and and try to detail some of the things that that uh, would look like? That's how I would uh, apply it. Good stuff, brothers. Thank you
0: guys so much. And we do thank you for listening to the Christ Standard and Clear podcast. Next week, we will wrap up chapter, chapter six as we look at why we can continue to put our complete confidence in Christ. Again, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Christ Standard and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at com. And please visit us at ChristCenterAndClear.com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture.